that's my green leadership activities right there, just going and having a, like three showers a day. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Robin Waite of Fearless Business. Robin was referred by Ed Rich on show number 127 and he kindly invited Joe onto his podcast too. Having spent 12 years running a digital marketing business, Robin pivoted in 2016 to focus on the part of his business he liked the best, training business owners how to be better in business. In 2016, Robin founded Fearless Business, a unique business growth accelerator for coaches, consultants and freelancers to help set them free from the sales cycle of doom. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Robin Waite of Fearless Business, and uh, we've just been laughing about the fact that we've had two interviews, or we will have had two interviews by the end of this week, because I was interviewed by Robin on Monday, so uh, we're, uh, we're feeling very connected this week, aren't we, Robin? Absolutely, yes. I, I, I said it was my ESP kicking in. That's, uh, I think, what's happened. So, yeah, it's a real pleasure to, um, to A, speak to you earlier on the week, and also to, to now be a guest on your podcast as well, Joe. Yeah, and as I said, I'm feeling much more relaxed, because this one doesn't have video. <laughs> <laughs> my listeners well, you, know you may, uh, uh, I was going to say they don't know what I'm wearing though so <laughs> let's not make them feel awkward in the first 30 seconds of the interview exactly I don't know if I've ever done my podcast in like pyjamas or something but I do regularly work in my pyjamas so I probably have uh, <laughs> it's whether, in fact I did have a story I don't know if I've ever recounted it on here that I once answered the door at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon to our postman who is really lovely and I sort of opened the door and I went oh um so I'm not really wearing my pajamas and he went well it could be worse he said you could be wearing your Christmas pajamas and I looked down and I was wearing my Christmas pajamas because <laughs> 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 I, 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 I work in a shared office actually not it, I had similar sort of thing actually is it's slightly more embarrassing but okay because I, I I don't like socks and shoes right so but I live I, I work in a shared office so occasionally I'll just slip off my socks and shoes and I went downstairs to go and collect my post and one of my neighbors just stopped me and started talking to me and about about a minute into the conversation he looked down and then obviously realized that I, I wasn't wearing socks and shoes and kind of we tried to keep the conversation going but we both knew that in that moment it was slightly awkward and that he'd lost his opportunity to ask me what was going on so um so yeah so I, I feel I felt I feel your um your your postman's pain, uh, pain in, exactly. in terms of yeah <laughs> well I, I just I just love that he actually you know made the point you know he could have pretended and just carried oops I just bumped into my desk after saying I won't do that um yeah he, he could have just carried on and pretended he hadn't noticed but he just sort of topped my my comment I felt he is he is very funny that's <laughs> the Christmas thing probably it's quite painful for postman <laughs> yes well exactly so oh no he's probably hinting about the fact that I never leave him a Christmas bonus or whatever they call it oh but yeah I think that's what sort of older people do it's like I don't tip my hairdresser because I just don't feel comfortable that's not like not what what people of my age do but if you're like you know older and you've got like you know a nice perm and things I don't know no what do they have what do they old people have this is a really random stuff oh, the blue rinse. podcast isn't it blue rinse or the um yep. the set they have like a weekly set then they get like a little tip don't they um but I've never yep. done that either so um yeah so my postman probably doesn't really like me well, I, used, I used to do, I did a paper round for four years and I was I was the most tipped paper boy on our and you know in the whole of our little village oh, and it was just I used to stop and chat to people I used to get around the route fairly quick and I had the biggest route but I used to used to make sort of a hundred pounds worth of tips in December and that all, all that money then paid for all of my family's Christmas presents oh wow you make me feel bad now I'm gonna have to leave the postman a tip this year anyway, yeah I, right. I would Joe I would Joe give <laughs> give him a big tip give him a really big tip I'll say lots of love Robin <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh dear. Right. So tell us, Robin, what you do uh, and where you do it. 
so I'm obviously no longer a paper boy. So um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, so no, I mean, basically I've, I've run businesses pretty much all my life. So uh, I'm 37 now, I've been in business now for 19 years in various uh, sort of one shape and form. Um, but uh, I ran a marketing agency for 12 years up until 2016 um, and then made the transition when family arrived. Um, so our second child was about to be born. I kind of decided I wanted a bit of a change of scenery and to have a, a business which worked more around me than vice versa. So set up the coaching practice in 2016 and really it was um, it was a culmination of uh, taking everything I'd learned in the marketing agency, uh, not from a marketing perspective, but actually seeing, seeing all of the struggles that businesses um, used to go through as they were growing and understanding the economics of how businesses work and when you attract clients in how to maximize those opportunities. So uh, that's now what we teach our clients. We work specifically with service um, client businesses. So uh, coaches and consultants, but also um, occasionally sort of freelancers, marketing or marketeers um, and various people like that. And I, I have stepped into the corporate world um, it, during that process of kind of working out who it was I really wanted to work with. But um, I felt that, um, you know, the, the gift which I've got in terms of from a coaching perspective is we, we kind of create the biggest, the greatest impact with very small micro businesses, one man bands where they're kind of they're doing everything right, but they're just not really maximizing those opportunities. Um, and and uh, we have clients not just um, here in the UK, but we have clients kind of dotted around the world. I've got a client in Shanghai, a client in Switzerland, I've got a client in America, uh, nearly got one in Canada. So that would have been five countries, which would have been pretty cool. But um, so it's, it's it's we do a lot of our work um, in an online environment now on a group basis as opposed to one to one as well. So it's, it's great fun. Absolutely love it. And we get fab results. Lovely. And you said you worked in a uh, co-working space. Do you do that all the time? Do you work from home as well? Do you do other things, coffee shops, that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, well, all, kind of all of the above, really. I mean, it, it's not a co-working space. It's actually an office, a shared office. Um, uh, so with about eight other different businesses kind of dotted around in the centre of town. And then I've got an office at home, uh, which I actually built myself. So I, uh, it's one of these lovely cedar clad sort of uh, bifold door type um, offices, which I built last summer. So it's some point I'm kind of making that that transition now potentially into um, uh, sort of moving into my home office which normally it's the other way around but um, yeah. and then in terms of like occasionally um, I have got several sort of I've got a couple of sort of one-to-one -one clients and um, I actually prefer to kind of meet them in like I call it it's neutral territory um, so we'll meet at a really nice sort of um, you know hotel reception area uh, or meeting rooms because I find it's really helpful to kind of get our clients like out of their their own office environment sometimes uh, and yeah. into, into another place where the coffee generally speaking is actually better than the coffee I make uh, which is normally quite a big bonus for our clients. <laughs> Excellent um, you, you know you're going to have to come up with a, a name for your for your home office I interviewed Graham Alcott on the show a few weeks ago and he calls his the shed and apparently it is you know one of those ones where it, it isn't really a shed it's a very nice garden office but he came yeah. up with the, the word to sound, you know, quite cool, like it's nothing, you know. So what, what are you oh, going to call it's, yours? It's going to have to be the Fearless Business HQ. <laughs> so it sounds like a like a massive con concrete conglomerate type office. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where loads of people hang out, whereas actually it's, it's in reality, it's just kind of me and Zoom and, and that's spiders. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So you said you've been in business for 19 years and you've done various things. You've talked about uh, changing your business when your children came along. Um, but I'm sure there's a, a, a bigger drive uh, there because you've talked um, off air about sort of future plans as well. So, so talk us through a bit of why you do what you do. Uh, the main the main thing for us like our, our core value is all about impact um you know we we have clients now who and I, I, to, so that there's some uh you can kind of sense you know why i switched from the because we, we had some impact in the marketing business but ultimately what we were doing was building websites and um you know doing branding like logos and things like that and and in effect we were kind of building somebody else's dream but nobody ever really kind of gave us credit for that it was kind of like it was just a website or it was just a logo um you know and so uh, and we did other kind of uh, things from a marketing perspective for our clients in terms of kind of growing their businesses but um one of the greatest differences now is um you know between that and and the coaching side of things is because we have a we influence other areas of the business which um especially when it comes to sort of cash flow and things like that you know we've got clients who've been able to um, um, 
you know, you've got Rich and Amy who run a small web design business. You know, they um, when we first started working together, they they were only making about eight hundred pounds a month and and uh, living in rented accommodation. They had two young kids as well. Um, and actually, since we've been working with them, you know, this is they're one of my longest standing clients. You know, going on three years, uh, they've actually been able to save up a deposit for the house. Uh, and move out. They've got married, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Richard's now got his own office, uh, which him and Amy share um, in uh, the base sort of down in the southwest. Um, and and also income-wise, you know, this is where where I feel like you know the the real impact happens and it's tangible. Which you know, the marketing agency it wasn't so tangible with this. It's really tangible because we got them to a place whereby they were. Um, well, it, back in May, we crossed the threshold, which was to create £3,000 a month worth of recurring revenue. So four times their income from two and a half years ago, but just in support contracts uh, and uh, sort of hosting and things like that. But also they generated three and a half K in um, in project fees. So they did sort of six, uh, six and a half K month. And the beautiful thing was they wanted more of a lifestyle business. So like, like me with my, my beautiful five and three year old daughters, you know, we've got those wonderful six weeks of summer holidays and they just wanted to be able to kind of almost switch off the business over the summer and just do like go down to bare essentials. And the three K a month basically means that they don't have to take on any new clients, but they still get three grand coming in with the support contracts and they get to work with clients they're already familiar with. And it, and it's those sort of like, you know, their micro um, sort of impacts, you know, if you look at the business thing as a whole, but for Rich and Amy, these are like massive life-changing sort of opportunities we're helping people to create. It's interesting, you said um, wonderful six weeks in the summer. And I do wonder sometimes if it's um, one of the benefits of, of being a um, an individual business owner is that you do actually call it that. because. There's, there's loads of um, sort of, uh, not PR, I don't know, but, you know, talk in the summer about, oh, God, children at home. Oh, God, it's, you know, really, eff, eff, you know, it's loads of effort. And I do wonder sometimes yeah. whether it's because it's you're having to juggle that along with everything else, whereas people like, um, oh, sorry, I forgot the names, Amy and Rob. Richard. No, Richard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are, and you and me are uh, creating and, and designing a business where you can see that time as 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 great time because you've you've made it so that you have less of a challenge than perhaps when you don't have the choice because you're working for someone else and you have to you know fit everything in. I don't I don't know. It, it it's obviously driven some of their thinking and and yours and and mine. Do you do you think that's the case or? Uh, or absolutely. I, I think um I think you know when when you're when you're working for yourself you get the opportunity to, to design your business how how you want to and if that means kind of making it. Um, fit around your family because you know it's frenetic having young children it's you know mm. doing not even during the holidays but during term time when you're kind of doing drop-offs and things like that you know my, my wife and I my wife works very hard as well um, she's a, she's a lawyer so kind of works more standard hours and we just worked out that you know it would be virtually impossible for if, if I had a job right if I was working for somebody else and I was having to set off at 7 a.m. and not coming back till seven o'clock at night and things like that it, it would make it virtually impossible for us to all really like for me, Charlotte, and the two girls to kind of really have a proper family life. Yeah. Whereas at least, you know, with, you know, I can fit my coaching, core coaching hours around doing school drop-offs in the morning. Like, don't get me wrong, it's really stressful. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm, you know, business for me is like, it's my passion. I find it easy. It's, you know, I could do it with my hands tied behind my back, my eyes closed, you know, in my sleep. But ch children brings a whole different challenge. But fundamentally, like, you know, I've been able to set up my core coaching hours so that I can actually, you know, make sure that life isn't stressful for the girls and make mm. sure that Charlotte's kind of reassured that doesn't feel so guilty when she's out of work because I'm here to kind of um, you know help support the family as well mm -hmm. I was going to say and it gets easier as they get older and you have to do less of the dropping off because they can you know take themselves and everything else but I was just reflecting yeah. it doesn't actually they, you just have different challenges so um, Ellie's like netball mad and she plays netball five or six times a week and you know we were um, Maidstone half an hour away last night she goes to Raynham for um, 50 minutes away <laughs> maybe an hour away on weekend she does you know this that, and the other and so it doesn't get any better actually just just in case you were wondering <laughs> you just <go laughs> well that's, that's reassuring Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just give, I'll give up now uh, you I was know. Say, come on my podcast and feel really good afterwards <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but I mean imagine 
Sorry. Imagine what it'd be like for most of, you know, because a lot of the, you work with similar sorts of clients. A lot of the coaches and uh, consultants, you know, the clients that we sort of work with, you know, they're, they're super, super bright people. Um, and like most importantly, like they care a huge amount about, you know, their families and their clients. And it's really, really important to them to be able to get that balance right. You know, uh, if if we were, if you were to take that super, super brightness, that intelligence and kind of be in a job, I think there'd be far more miserable people out there than there are currently. Yes. Yeah, true. So when you change to the new business as a result of the children coming along, that was obviously one way of sort of working out how you sort of balance those two things or I, I don't like the word balance but um made your life and your work stuff all sort of fit together in a different way what were the sort of tangible differences you talked about your coaching window being being different uh, I guess you you know you've you've made yourself available when you're available and not when you're not whereas in a sort of service business where you're providing um things for people I guess that's it's harder to do that what, what other things have you done to enable you to fit everything together and, and integrate your work and your and your personal life together um yeah well, it's probably worthwhile just kind of taking a bit of a step back because it might be helpful for your listeners to kind of understand like what what happened during that that transition yeah. period because yeah. it wasn't so much about making making my business kind of fit really around the children that was probably a uh, probably kind of leading leading kind of slightly misleading but what during that transition process actually when the when my family was expanding it made me realize what i designed in my old business you know what wasn't serving me properly mm. and um i had a team of a team of four people working within the business we were doing about 250k turnover you know it's, it was a good little business and um lots of lots of complicated pro projects coming through and things like that and i was starting to get more speaking engagements and consultancy type work um and and actually there, there were lots of you know we had um a good number of clients as well within that business so literally we we actually spent a lot of time firefighting and um it was it was at that point when i realized that um it, those were just massive distractions from being able to just put a little bit more energy and effort into the into the family and for me, it was about, I always had a dream to kind of build a, uh, not that it's just about me, but to build a, an empire as, as big as I could on my own. So, um, you know, and then, so it's literally, I just, you know, kind of um, went out on a cycle ride with my buddies and uh, one Sunday morning, about three weeks before, so I knew when Sophie was going to arrive because we had, well, we had two planned cesareans. So about three weeks before our, our due date, um, you know, I had a bit of a breakdown and just went back home to my wife and I said, look, this business just isn't working for me. Like it feels too, it feels too stressful. There's just too many, too many pressures on me. And actually the one thing I really want is just to, um, you know, take three months off, uh, you know, call it paternity leave, whatever you like, and actually redesign a business that is going to work for us a bit better. Um, and so I did that. And in, in terms of kind of the tangible benefits, it's just it's just nice to be around the girls or available for the girls. I mean, for me, like I said, my main driver is I love my work. I find it very hard to kind of, to, you know, switch off from work and not work. Um, you know, I enjoy the process of like writing books and I enjoy the process of kind of putting content out and um, all of that sort of thing. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is, you know, um, because I've got the office home, got the office here, you know, I, I can spend the time with the family and also then just work late into the evening if I want to. Um, you know, whereas, again, that that was starting to become painful with the old marketing business just because of the pressures on staff and customers and things like that. So it's, it was just it was just a very different business. And I think had I not made that transition, I wouldn't have realized what it was that I was so unhappy about with the marketing agency. It's interesting how much people's businesses change. I and mean, I regularly talk to people on the podcast who have gone through various iterations of, of their business. And, you know, I'm similar. Um, but so, so often it's about sort of external uh, interest or pressures or, or, you know, people end up providing a service because that's what their customers want, which is, you know, not a bad thing to do necessarily. But it doesn't always create that intentional uh, shape of business that that works and and fulfills what you want for your your business and your life so you know I guess you had a sort of a natural uh, sort of happening that that prompted that that thought process but I, I wonder you know how often people really do stop and think and think oh actually I don't enjoy this or oh I've ended up doing this because that's what people have asked me to do and I've said yes but it's not really what I want to be doing I, I think most people don't realize it until things stop working. So mm. so what it looks like is we kind of just 
go into our, you know, every day we wake up, we have a shower, we show up, sit down at our desk and we send out those social media posts and clear down our inbox and we go to a networking meeting. We do all the stuff on out of habit and on repeat. And, mm. and you know, it and, and it gets us kind of, you know, so far the resu- results are okay, we survive. Um, and it's not until things start to go wrong, that actually, you know, uh, you know, when we don't get all the clients that we used to get, uh, when maybe as the same amount of money, you know, stops coming into our bank account that used to come into our bank account for the same effort, you know, and things like that. So we start to get all these kind of clues and warning signs. And it's just it's just about having a self-awareness to pay attention to those. But but th- those are those are what we call lag indicators. So when people's businesses start to, to falter, I sales drop and there's not as much cash in the bank. Um, you know, every, everything up until that point has already lagged. Uh, it's a bit like, um, you know, uh, a, a more tangible example I can give is imagine if you had a goal, right, and it was to get two new clients a month, for example, into your business, and, and you get to the end of the month and you've only got one. There's, it's, it's a lag because everything is lagged up to that point and there's nothing you can do now to influence. You can't lose that client. You can't win another client. So you can't achieve your goal. And people are just fundamentally measuring the wrong things they're not measuring the activity which leads to that that goal that sale so what i mean by that is if for example in order to get those two sales you need to have 10 consultations a month with prospects and you get halfway through the month maybe you've only sat like one one two or three you know that your lead indicators i.e those meetings are already starting to to lag behind where you need to get to to achieve those two sales and um but you can measure it in a number of different ways so it's not just the tangible like lead indicators like how many conversations you started but also like are you putting out the same volume of of content are you as excited about like putting out content as you were when you first set up your business i you know what's the general feeling about your business and sometimes just checking in every day with like how energized am i is enough to tell you whether you're actually starting to kind of fall behind on where you need to be um and it's that level of self-awareness that which a lot of small business owners miss uh, because they're, they're like tiny little things the tiny little pieces of feedback and and but it's much safer it's much more comfortable just to sit at our desk and go through all of those repetitive tasks that we we do without really checking in i think self-awareness is a, a massive thing and i um i was only thinking uh, last week that uh, i'd come back from the the summer thinking you know i'll do this i'll do that whatever and then i suddenly realized that everything was frenetic there was stuff happening left right and center and sort of I then pulled back and thought hang on a minute why is this happening oh I've booked a load of things in my diary but you don't like doing lots of things you like staying at home and doing your work yes well you know why are you not doing that then oh because I booked a lot of things in my diary and uh, and you know I, I sort of unraveled a few things to the point where uh, my week's been a lot clearer this week and I've got so much more done and I'm feeling much more about you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I think self-awareness is is key but it's regular self-awareness isn't it it's about having sort of reviews knowing that you need to look for those little indicators that you talked about um and and being quite clear about where where you want to go with that um yeah you know and i know goal setting something that um you talk about um how do you do that some people i'm not very much about structured goals you know i don't say that you know a week on tuesday i'll have done this i'm much more about a bigger vision and then sort of corralling what I do towards that vision if you like uh, but obviously you know there's loads of different ways of, of goal setting and monitoring that what's the sort of uh, way that you do that well you, you've kind of alluded to like the difference between strategy and tactics they're like tactics are, like next week if there's something that you've got to do for next week that's normally quite a tactical thing mm-hmm. but um, if, if you've got something you know a longer term vision for your business I you know big bigger, big, hairy, audacious goals, you know, those tend to fall into the more strategic kind of thinking, uh, like the 30,000 foot overview of your business. So if you know, for example, that if you you kind of, without going into too much detail about the mass, but if you know that, for example, you have one single overarching goal, which is to to deliver a, a, you know, develop a six figure business. And in order to achieve that, you need to have 10 clients paying you a thousand pounds a month. Like that, that's just a very simple, goal which you can then sort of measure everything against because but the next thing though and I, I kind of kind of alluded to this earlier on actually is is about then like okay well what activities do we need to do in order to, to achieve that goal and th- this is a bit where people sort of falter because we 
we put 100k business down in our in our business plan or in our you know in our journal or, and we we start to do those kind of positive affirmations and some of that woo woo stuff and and um but what we don't do is we don't reverse engineer it and work out how we're actually going to achieve that and part of the reason for that is is mostly down to fear like uh, sometimes like we set big goals for ourselves and we don't actually believe that we can achieve them and that that creates fear and so then fear obviously fight flight or freeze kicks in and most of us just procrastinate and think oh well maybe maybe 100k business isn't for me uh, or maybe maybe I, you know if i choose to do build a 100k business uh, it's it's january now and i can kind of put this off until june or july if i want to have a break in august and oh september comes around oh i'm nowhere near my goal so i'll just give up on it and i think the tr the key to it is about like those lead indicators those activities you're doing that are going to lead you towards your goal so challenge is though a lot of the stuff is very hard to kind of identify so you know we've got like there's a lot so much noise out there with social media and in, everything on the internet and videos and uh you know netflix and kids and there's just so much noise out there it's actually very hard to work out which activities are going to get us closer to our goal so again this is about self-awareness and trusting your gut instinct um so it's kind of like you know sending sending an email proposal out to uh, or an, an email out to somebody is that going to get me close to my goal or not well it might do so okay we'll do that but the challenge is we there's so many distractions so i remember when i started out my coaching practice i was like right i need 10 clients 250 quid each that pays the mortgage raw everything's hunky-dory and um a couple of things came, cropped up at that point so i i'd worked with russ who appeared in in my book take your shot and um I, somebody said, oh, you should write a story about that because that's really compelling. It's like a really, you know, so I could have written that book then. Um, I could have, I got invited to actually, uh, I wanted to start up a podcast. And in fact, I started the process. And I was going to do it jointly with somebody, but transpired that I was going to be doing all of the uh, finding of the guests, the editing, like literally doing the whole thing. And in the end, I said no. But we end up with these activities that can also just distract us and take away from the basic stuff, like how we go out and get get clients so at that time for me it was like just going to networking meetings speaking to as many people as I can and actually getting speaking opportunities and I think in in that first the first 12 months of my coaching practice um, that was all I focused on solidly was uh, going out to networking meetings and speaking at networking meetings I, I did something like 60 talks that that year I did 125 consultations because I was just like right I've just got to move people through a process I've just got to in order to get clients I've got to get in front of them and deliver some value and this is how I'm going to do it so I was very clear on what those activities were but a lot of people would just allow you know the pot who knows the podcast might have got me those clients but it, it, it wasn't definitive um, and and as you kind of start to build up those four or five activities which get you closer towards your goal you'll start to build up some clarity um, and, it, and it's in it but it's that those activities and that clarity space which actually take the most effort and that's where most people stop so you imagine the effort it took to do to deliver 60 speaking. I mean, it's only one a week. It's not many, but 60 speaking gigs. Imagine the effort it took to do 125 consultations where a majority of those people are saying no. So actually, when you get when you've got the clarity and there's a ton of work there, which has got to be done, uh, but you know it's, it's going to pay off. You've actually got to have quite a lot of determination to kind of get through that. So that's kind of the, the third thing, if you like. So we've got the goal, the activity and the determination, the tenacity to achieve that goal. Yeah, and as you say, well, it's it's such a it's such a simple process, but it's also there's so much opportunity for it not to happen, where people are yes. um, not clear about where they want to go, working on the wrong things, and just giving up because it doesn't seem like it's getting them anywhere, or giving up too soon, or or just procrastinating, as you said, through quite often through through that fear piece. Well, goal, people, goals are. Yeah. I was going to say goals. Goals are um, like the most important thing in business. You should not underestimate goal. Imagine if you had to drive a thousand miles, right? And we've got we've got all this amazing technology in cars these day, these days. Imagine if you jumped into your car to drive that, do a thousand mile journey, and you didn't bother punching the postcode into a sat nav, right? You, you're going to end up getting lost. And a goal is exactly like that postcode in the sat nav, because you punch the postcode in, sat nav then works out the best, the the optimal route in order to get there. So you have to have that goal in place. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to create that, that route, that pathway in order to get there. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's that typical thing of like being three feet from gold. You know, um, mm. if we haven't identified the goal, then we're, we're not going to get anywhere close to even three feet from gold. We're just going to end up mm. getting lost somewhere along the way. So on a day to day basis, 
how do you operate your sat nav love that <laughs> <laughs> so so I do, I've um, sort of two or three different activities which I have. So um, I operate something called a default diary. So I have specific activities booked in with regularity, you know, same day of the same week. So when my coaching sessions happen, when I book sales calls, or consultations, um, I, I make sure that I don't overbook myself in terms of speaking gigs. Um, you know, making sure that I have um, regular slots for people to book um, to book podcast interviews and things like that. So, um, and the key to it is knowing about like you know having having a, a basic understanding of like how to how to best optimally use your use your time. Because again, if if, I, if all I'm doing is recording podcast interviews, I'm not taking the time to like you know do consultations and help clients and actually enrol people. Um, so that's the first thing. So I operate a default diary, which has those activities that I talked about kind of mapped into it. The second thing I do is um, something because there are there are also other kind of opportunities which crop up. So, um, but so I operate something called a diary detox, which is a guy called um, Paul Holbrook came up with this system, and it's it's basically a process of color coding the activity. So he he says that he use like green for leadership activities, like um, so communicating and learning and stuff like that. Those are green activities, and then he talks about orange activities, which which are or amber activities which are like the like monitoring so if you have a team it's making sure you spend time monitoring the team making sure they're okay uh, and then red activities which is like the doing almost like the fee earning work basically the doing activities and you should have a nice balance of green amber and red activities in it he, he also talks about the brown activities uh, the floating you can obviously guess what that refers to um, so <laughs> so um, so we try and avoid those as best we can but actually sometimes it's okay just to have like you know uh, just to go and spend some time you know with a, a bit of an empty diary of floating time because that, that kind of is, that refuels is a good time for the soul normally um, so the diary so I've got my default diary I have my diary detox so I make sure I color code my activities um, and then the key thing is actually remembering just to check in and check both of those which I do on a daily basis so I actually use a, a little app called um, Todoist I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, basically you can just put, oh, do you? Yep. So you can put in, every, all it's got is just um, one, one line. It's like a to-do to -do app, basically. So you, I pop in one line, which says every day, uh, check check your default diary, do a diary detox, so two separate entries. Uh, another thing which I do, which is like a morning formula, that came from uh, listening to a podcast by the guys at Traffic and Funnels. And they talk about having this thing called a morning formula, which is a bit like, um, that. it's just a document which kind of talks through like, how you want to behave, like reminds you of your mission and your values and things like that. So just to check in with that every day as well. And then I get, Todoist is great because it, I don't know why, but at 4.59 a.m. every morning, it then emails me a digest of the stuff I've got to do for the day, which obviously includes those three activities plus anything else I kind of mapped out. So um, I'm, I'm useless without a list. If I don't have a list, I'm, I'm, I'm just a wasted space basically. So Todoist is my, my list. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing app if you don't know about it and quite cheap as well. Yes, yeah. I laugh about how sophisticated I've got mine set up, <laughs> but it is a very simple app as well. It's very much, I, I've said before on the show, it's the thing that I have used to manage my task list for the longest, because normally every so often I get distracted and go off and find a new way of doing it and spend ages organising myself. <laughs> but, actually, <laughs> but actually I can stay well, on the same app and just reorganise myself on that now. Well, that's it. I mean, the thing is, I, I encourage people actually to do, um, or my clients especially, to do something um, uh, called, like a digital detox, basically, where you go back through and check check in on those systems that you set up mm. and make sure they're still serving you. But I've evolved that. Like, to there's like several stages like of depth now to that. So, as a part of it, it's making sure that you remove yourself from any Facebook groups you signed up to. The, you know, you're getting notifications from that you know you no longer kind of are active in making sure that you unsubscribe from any emails you signed up to if you've got any paid subscriptions you're paying for but not utilizing unsubscribe from those as well you know so uh, that the, the 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 um the digital detox like should cover and i do it on a quarterly basis but it ends up it's like a just declutter your life just get rid of all the crap and then all of a sudden like you've got all you know a bit of extra time and space which you can then probably fill it back up with more stuff as well <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> <laughs> or, or you could just do what I do, which is um, uh, they've just opened up a wave garden down in Bristol um, near where I live. And I've been waiting for an inland surf space to go to for a long time. So I'm kind of quite into my surfing. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually one of my, one of my things is free up my Friday mornings now so that I can go down and go surfing every Friday, which would be pretty cool. That's really cool. And I love the wave garden. I've never heard of that. That sounds really cool. What? 
they're really new. They've got one up in North Wales at the moment, and there's one in Spain. But they were kind of um, test. They were the first two, and they were just testing them. So this is this is the first commercial wave garden in the world, um, which is really exciting, and it's in our back garden, pretty much. Um, yeah. So so yeah, and I, I've got my first lesson, I think, booked now on November the nineteenth, which I'm I, I I want it to be now. I want it to be November the nineteenth yeah. right now because so super exciting. So figured I'd get a couple <laughs> of lessons in, and then uh, and then and then I'd upgrade myself into like you know just being able to show up and and surf every Friday. So it's so it's like a. I don't know, dry ski slope apart from it's surfing. So they create waves yeah. for you, do they, sort of thing? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. So I think there's there's something like, how many waves are, um, an hour? Is it 80 waves an hour or something like that? There's more, maybe more than that. <laughs> it's amazing. And it, it's, um, well, I, it might not be. I might be terrible at it. I don't know when when we get there. We'll have to wait and see how, how good it is. And I'm sure like getting into water in the middle of the winter, probably, you know, even with wetsuits is a bit a bit scary. But um. Well, yeah, it's okay. just, I, up until Christmas, probably it goes really horribly wrong. After that, my yeah. husband fails, and they always say that the sea is really—I um, was going to say—really, really cold and then warm. And it's—I don't think it ever gets warm, but it's—it's um, it's the warmest it ever is, like now, because it takes all summer to warm it up. Yeah, no, that's actually right. I'll—I'll I'll surf in UK waters up until sort of late November because it, mm-hmm. it, you've got the Gulf Stream and it is—it is lovely and warm. Mm-hmm. um you know and i mean I've, I've surfed in a lot of different places actually and um so i surfed in portugal and morocco france um so all down the atlantic coast and um the british water we've gone totally off topic here joe i hope this is okay but the, but the british the british waters are still the best like going yeah. and surfing in the gar and then down in north devon you know you, you actually can't beat it because yeah. it's it's not crazy like some of the atlantic coast like further down through europe and africa it's it's kind of fairly you know, the waves can be fairly sensible and safe mm. um mm. you know so anyway we've gone off on a tangent joe well, you, well, no, well, you pick well, it well, up one of my questions was going to be how you look after yourself and what you do to relax so you know you've you've um, started to to say that so clearly surfing is one of the things how do you keep yourself fit for that though uh, well uh, yeah i mean I'm, I'm a bit lazy when it comes to the surf fitness because you, you can get away with kind of just bobbing around in the water and catch the odd you know wave that's quick enough without masses of effort um you, when it, where you've got to be surf fit is where you start to go out into bigger bigger waves so when you, when it starts to get sort of six seven eight feet and above you've got you've got to be fairly fit in order to be able to paddle out so mm-hmm. i kind of at the moment whilst i'm not surf fit then i'll 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 kind of pick the smaller waves the safer stuff but actually aside from that um my my sort of workout stuff is I, I do a lot of cycling. So I cycle with a local club um, every Sunday. That's like my non-negotiable. I have to go out for those guys for like, you know, do 50, 60 miles. In fact, I've just done a hundred miles in, uh, in support of a, um, a mental health charity. So I did that on Saturday. Um, and it, it was just, it's just so invigorating. And it's just like this, you can't beat the feeling of doing a challenge like that and then coming mm-hmm. back and, you know, you're out in the saddle all day. I found the last five miles pretty, pretty painful, but we got around and had a beer and, you know, whatever, and um, sort of celebrated. Um, but yeah, that's cycling, cycling and surfing are definitely my thing. Well, we once did a, a long bike ride. We have um, Port Lim Wild Animal Park up the road, and they used to do something called the Rhino Ride, and I think it was 70 miles or something. Um, and a good many years ago, before we had little Dodsey, uh, Simon and I went to do it with a, with a couple of our friends. And we set off and um, within uh, probably eight miles, my friend went to grab the water. You know, like they have them at the marathon where they like hold them out and you have to cycle by and yeah, grab yeah. them as you go along. She grabbed it. She was in front of me. She grabbed it. She wobbled. And I thought, oh, no, it's all going horribly wrong. And sure enough, it did. She fell off and she made this massive gouge in her arm to the point where we could almost oh. see the bone. And oh, she no. doesn't really blood especially not hers so we spent a little while sitting while she recovered herself and started to feel a bit better during which point our friend actually mended somebody's tire um puncture so that was good um and then uh we set off again and within about another five miles i managed to get my t-shirt tangled in her um handlebars and i went over the front of my bike into the hedge oh goodness it's like this guy. I remember he was in a mini. He he'd stopped and he sort of drove past really slowly and he just poked his head out the door, out the window and he went, "Um, could you do that again, please? Because it was really entertaining." I was like, <laughs> "Thank you, thanks for your sympathy." And I literally missed some barbed wire by I don't know, sort of I don't know five inches or something. Um, and at which point my had my husband was like, "Oh my god, we're never going to get around this thing. We've only done like ten miles and we've had two massive accidents already." 
And, I was going to uh, say, it sounds so... pretty attritional, actually. You've got to be, again, t- determination yeah. coming. Did you get round? I did, I did. But the last five miles for me were painful too, but it wasn't anything other than where I'd fallen over, I'd fallen off my bike. I had a, a swollen knee by this stage. So every time I oh. turned the pedal, I was like catching stuff inside my knee by that stage. But uh, but we oh, did do no. it. Um, I didn't do it the following year. I left him to do it on his own with his uncles. But uh, yeah, there's a story we often tell about how we almost didn't do the rhino ride because it was uh, not going so well. And my friend um, who lived to tell the tale has a massive scar on her arm still. So, a uh, nice tattoo, like reminder. Gosh, that, oh well, good for you for getting around though, because it like when things start going wrong like that, it's quite easy sometimes just go, oh, gosh, you know, this is starting to get really attritional. Should we do this? Exactly. I, I remember well, going for a ride in, in November last year, and um, yeah. I'd already had a puncture, and there was about twenty, me and twenty guys out with a club. And I ended up on the, uh, we take turns on the front and I ended up on the front and then got another puncture on my front wheel and went straight down and about three guys rode over the top of me. And I was like, oh, no. you know, in, in November, is oh. it starting to get cold and all that sort of stuff? And it's like, oh, yeah. t- and I, I didn't make it out the following week, but I was like determined that I wasn't going to let that ruin my, my winter riding because that's where you lose so much fitness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do keep thinking I perhaps ought to go cycling because we, in our sailing club, we um, have a, a cycling club attached to it as well. And when the cyclists turn up every Sunday morning for their tea and cakes and things, I always think um, how how their legs are very nice. So cycling must be good for your legs and your bottom. It is, yeah, yeah. I've noticed that my jeans have got tighter since I started cycling, but in the, not not the waist. The waist has got looser, but the legs have got tighter. It's really, yeah, it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, before we get anyone too much a flutter at the other end, um, talk, talk about um, how you keep up with what's going on and and keep yourself learning and and improving within your business. So I I um, I'm a massive fan of Audible. So I listen to audiobooks. So it just um just it gives me sort of 15 or 20 minutes, you know, on the school run. Once I drop the girls off, I can just kind of dial into an audiobook. Um, and I do an awful lot of reading. But I also um you know listen to there's a few podcasts which I listen to. So um, I mentioned the Traffic and Funnels guys. So they they you'd think Traffic and Funnels would be sort of all about you know marketing stuff, and there is a bit of marketing there. But actually. Uh, the nice thing about TNF, and you've got to you've got to get over the guys. Sound like they they I don't know, they sound like teenagers like talking about business. But actually, when you start to see beyond that and listen to what they're actually saying, they've got some really insightful stuff from a mindset perspective. And um, and actually, like marketing and running a business in this day and age, is, it can be pretty tough. And actually, it's mostly you know it's mostly mindset that you need to be focusing on. Actually, I think from a business perspective. So the TNF guys are amazing. Um, like book wise, I'm just I'm a massive fan of um I love sort of parables, I love stories. So I'm a big fan of books like Built to Sell by John Warrillow. Um what else is there? Um uh, there's another great book called Go for No as well, which it talks about kind of, you know, rather than going for yeses with sales, like go out and get as many no's because you know, if you get a yes like with your first, you know, first call of the day and stop like you're you're actually losing opportunities they say like ignore the yeses but just go out and get as many no's as you possibly can because it increases your chances so and it's told in like a really nice sort of story format but yeah reading reading and listening to audiobooks is kind and podcasts tends to be how i how i kind of learn i think we might be twins (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so um just a last practical question as well any tools or apps you recommend we've talked about todoist earlier on anything else um, yeah, to do is kind of the main one, but from a from a productivity perspective, because I bet everybody listening has got a ton of different softwares which they're using. So, you know, whether it be um, sort of Mailchimp, GetResp, all the different CRMs that are out there, and Sightly, they, they'll be using Office 365 or Gmail for their for their mail, uh, you know, various different things. So, I'm I'm a massive fan of an app called Zapier. Um, so Zapier is designed so that it, it's like a, what we call a micro-tasking tool. So uh, if I add somebody into Zero, my my bookkeeping package, then um, also pop their details into my client list in my CRM, uh, so that you're not having to like repeat, like do repetitive tasks. Um, I had two two amazing guys on my podcast actually um, recently called the Lazy Entrepreneurs, and their whole thing is about this whole cancer of like two minute tasks that we we seem to spend our days doing. And basically, Zapier is the answer. It's kind of like anything we find ourselves doing repetitively. Like, get there's probably a zap out there that you can do for it. So, um, you know, I do it from so I use um, like Acuity to book people in. Um, and then when when somebody kind of signs, books their slot to speak to me through Acuity, it fires out a link to 
uh, a type form, like a just an application form, which they've then got to fill out. So it does that piece of it automatically. The details are squirted into my my CRM, so I know what stage of the pipeline, the process they're up to, what and and then that reminds me that like that automate automatically. Uh, set me like seven tasks to do in terms of the follow-up and send them a gift and a few other bits and pieces and so kind of I try and automate as much as I possibly can and most of that is done through Zapier. Yeah me too I was uh, spending yesterday afternoon creating a load of new zaps for my uh, new membership site uh, sign up process so uh, yeah I'm in there too. It's funny actually on my podcast recently somebody um, who was like one of these people who markets for people to come on podcasts so they'd book somebody into the podcast and then sent me a message back saying um, can't, do I have to still fill out that form I you know I've sent you the speaker sheet and it's like well that form is what drives everything through my process sends it to my show notes people and everything else so uh, given you've booked them in yes please because it's like I could do it so that it, you're in the process but it's not even my job because you want them on the show yeah <laughs> yeah that's exactly <laughs> that's it you know. said, but, <laughs> but I did say you know well it does you know add into a lot of the processing so it'd be really helpful if you could do it thank you very much <laughs> that's exactly it it's 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 all about you just gotta like life's far too short we don't want to be doing all these mundane like admin tasks like over and over yeah. and over like it'd be so droll like why would you want exactly. to run a business like that let's let's yeah. just automate it and get a sense of satisfaction when the emails pop up and say oh you've just signed a new client oh amazing exactly. <laughs> when we're lying on that beach um so what about um those days when it all goes horribly wrong how do you deal with that uh, I mean, it, 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 I, I would ask you to define horribly wrong, but we probably don't want to subject people to like, you know, disaster stories. But um, um, but in terms of uh, I think sometimes just you've got a it's a clue. Like if things are going horribly wrong, it, it's a clue. And more often than not, sometimes just taking a couple of hours out or taking the day off is the best answer, like not ignoring the problem. But I don't know about you, but like um uh, again, I don't want to get your listeners into a bit of a flutter, but I have my best ideas in the shower, um, which is the most, it's the most annoying yeah. time to have ideas because mm. like you're soaking wet, soap in your eyes. You don't, normally don't have a notepad or pen or your phone nearby or the phone, you do have the phone, but it doesn't work because your fingers are wet. So you can't like, you, like you can't get these ideas down. But, um, but, but it, it, my point is, it's like wh when you stop, when you stop thinking about this stuff, that's normally when the solution comes. So yeah, the best thing you can yeah. possibly do is, is just switch off and mm. switch off your technology, walk out the office, go for a nice walk in the countryside or, or a surf or a, whatever it is that you do and and not something too energetic because that will distract you, but just something quiet and that, that will solve all of your problems. Yes, mine's less less fluttering for the listeners. I, mine's in the car, so I don't drive often because I'm uh, working from home. But uh, when I have my long journeys, I come up with so much stuff that I keep thinking I must schedule some more journeys in, which thankfully little Dodsy has done for me with her netball. <laughs> Just thinking, maybe I need to have more showers. Really? yeah maybe that maybe that <laughs> that's my green leadership activities right there just going and having a, like three showers a day exactly perfect <laughs> <laughs> so what about those days where you've got to live more so that's the bit where you get to do more of the things you want to do and less of the things that you feel you should do or you have to do what does that day look like for you uh, that that's normally that normally involves like either the sea uh, or cycling and uh, with both of those if I can involve my family as well within that um, you know then then obviously I will but for you know family aside for me personally like I'm at my best doing like a four or eight hour surf session like just bobbing around and see not even catching waves just being totally away from tech and everything's a long way off like you know when you're a quarter of a mile out to sea like everything is a long way away so you don't have to focus on anything it's just um it's just really pleasant Lovely. And just before I get you to tell people how they can get in contact with you, one of the things we talked about before we started is about um, what you're doing in terms of giving back. And um, I'd like you to share with the audience what you're doing. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm a firm believer of kind of like creating vehicles where you can give back. Um, mm. I, I'm going to caveat this because a lot of people want to give back the moment they set up a business. But quite frankly, like if you if you're if you set up a business and you're earning 10 grand a year, like versus if you're earning 100 grand, a year, you can earn you can give back a darn sight more if you're at 100K. So sometimes actually putting off giving back is a good thing. And actually, um, I I. I did that and I actually have um, a couple of vehicles now for um, for sort of giving back. So uh, the first one is I run a local networking group and we do goodie bags in those um, 
uh, at each of the meetings and anybody who wants to put stuff in the goodie bags pays a bit into a charity and in three years we've managed to raise um, close to 5k for a local children's charity which is like you know I was blown away when we actually totted it all up um, you know it's incredibly generous and we typically get sort of you know 40 to 50 people at each one of those events and then more recently um, you know I've got my coaching program to a point now whereby um, I, I always wanted to have some like micro giving going on and being able to you know, because I do a lot of things around sort of um, with with books, for example, offsetting some of that, that, you know, making my business carbon neutral or at least environmentally neutral, like make sure that I'm I'm kind of improving the world, not just kind of taking from it. So um, I've recently um, when we enroll a new client, we actually make a donation to Four Ocean, which is a, a really cool project it's set up by two surfing guys about um, basically they pay f um, fishermen. In, out in Indonesia and various places around the world now uh, to fish plastic out of the ocean and then their families then uh, turn those uh, to use that plastic and turn it into um, these really cool bracelets um, uh, and, and obviously so it's helping the, the economy it's helping the environment um, you know and, and again just giving a little bit back and that's just my little way of kind of offsetting it you know as we as we enroll a new client and we use more resources you know giving a little bit back to the world basically. Lovely. I love those two examples. Um, and you just reminded me, it's something I was planning to do with my membership site and I haven't put that into place yet. So I am going to go and do that forthwith. <laughs> well, to, you know, I, I've chosen Four Ocean. It was, it was a, it, it's a really like it's a way of making these micro um, sort of uh, mm. impacts around the world. But uh, another, I did, I was kind of toying, weighing up between Four Ocean and then there's also another one called Buy One Give One. And eventually, when again, when my program makes its next leap, I'll be bringing uh, Buy One Give One in as well. So we'll actually be making improving two charities or donating to two charities at, um, once that happens. Buy One Give One's brilliant you know, in terms of simple things like. Um, uh, I, sh I should do this. I should do it now. So it's simple things like there are, you know, um, young teenage girls in third world and developing countries where they get to a, um, a certain age and if their families can't afford school uniforms and they're basically just sold off, like married off enough, they go and have kids because if they don't have a school uniform, they can't go to school. And I just think it's absolutely shocking that things like that happen in this world still. Um, you know, and so what so what you can do through buy one, give one and, and another, another charity separately called Nalu is, is you can um, you buy merchandise or clothes or you can just make a donation and they go out and buy school uniforms for um, for teenage girls, which I just think is it's just amazing. when you know that there's that sort of stuff happening on a personal level for people. Yeah, definitely. I, I support um, an organization called Axe 435 and they are um, an organization where you donate and that money goes directly to individuals that have specific uh, issues and they run the charity through gift aid so they don't actually take any of the money you donate to run the business they just um, give everything direct and you choose who you want to give the money to so the website tells you um, and it, you just reminded me of it because of school uniform um, often in August I donate because there's children who are um, I don't know children of um, women who've left their partners because of violence and that sort of thing and they've ended up in a new school area they need new school uniform and they've got no money for it so yeah. you literally can just donate like 30 quid and that's them kitted out for school sort of thing um obviously not all school uniforms are quite that cheap but um and so it's really really individual and uh, goes directly to those people that need the help so uh, and, and i just love the fact they run it through gift aid rather than actually you know taking any of the the money that they raise to, to fund. i think i think that's great i mean that's exactly what like and business should be about not just taking it shouldn't just be about going out and selling your stuff and making money if you mm. can find if you can find a way to kind of build giving into your business um like mm. i said those impacts are going to increase like don't give everything away to start off with because it's going to slow down the growth in your business that will create yeah. those opportunities in a year or two's time but i think all business owners should be looking for ways to kind of you know give back alongside mm. you know helping themselves yeah i saw a reference recently and i it won't be much use because i can't actually remember what it was called but i'm sure there's a website where somebody's gone into business being able to connect businesses with donating so if you decide you're going to do something like that there's a way of easily just doing it automatically without even having to you know set set it up yourself or think about it at the time um but as i say use, useless re reference because i can't actually remember what it was called but i saw i read about it recently <laughs> but you know great that people are thinking about you know how can people connect people who want to help from a business perspective absolutely so Tell us how people can get in contact with you and how they can find out more about you. 
Yeah, of course. So um, I, we've got a couple of websites. So I've got robinwaite.com, which has kind of um, got details about uh, if you want to book me for sort of speaking and things like that. So it's my more personal site. But um, we've got some free resources on the fearless.biz website. Um, so uh, I mentioned one of my books, Take Your Shot, earlier on. So if anybody's based in the UK, um, uh, I, I'm more than happy to post out, ship out um, uh, paperback copies of that. So if you go onto the resources tab on, on fearless.biz, you'll be able to go and apply for a copy of Take Your Shot. And it just basically is just a really simple story which goes through five kind of core um, business principles. It's about a two-hour read and I tell it like a story about this guy called Russ who is a golf pro. Um, and then, yeah, you can just basically Google Robin Waite and that's with an E on the end of it. Um, and you'll you'll find all of my different social media platforms and YouTube channel and, and uh, any anything that I've put out there. That like, Thankfully, there's not many other Robin Waites out there doing what I do so you'll find me lovely in fact we had that discussion at the end of your podcast about not many other joe dodds out there and i, I googled myself afterwards and uh, that that person in politics is still on that front page alongside me i've got to do something about more content make it your thing to get to knock the other joe dodds off <laughs> Exactly. Although it's interesting, I looked on images after I did the Google and went way down the images and found some sort of convict type person. So, uh, oh no, there's a Joe Dodds murderer was, out there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so so much for joining one here, Robin. I um I started to read your book. I'm in the middle of another book at the moment, so I haven't um got too far into it. But I I do um sort of endorse that it, it's a very easy read in terms of all the energy that came through on the podcast today. I felt from um, the beginning part of, of the book so uh, I'm sure as I get through the rest of it it'll uh, it'll be like you on paper <laughs> <laughs> amazing and don't, don't forget to leave a review Joe of course no of help course other, I will. help other people find it absolutely so thank you so much for joining me today I've really really enjoyed it that's a real pleasure Joe thank you for having me on all this information is available in the show notes if you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash in this case 135 you'll find them there and today I just want to quickly talk about the concept of overwhelm. I did a webinar earlier last week about how to recognize and heal from business burnout and one of the people at the webinar asked a question at the end about how do you deal with overwhelm where you just have so much stuff to do and I thought leading into Christmas it is actually quite an overwhelming time isn't it I've got so much going on I don't know whether I'm coming or going half the time at the moment uh, and it reminded me that I do have these moments of overwhelm the same as anybody and I just thought it'd be useful to share how I deal with them firstly it's about being aware of not packing too much in which is obviously um, a bit sort of shutting the door after the horse has bolted as it were <laughs> so remember for next time to Think more carefully about the things that you want to do and the things that you don't want to do and making sure that you schedule accordingly. And then secondly, I think we sometimes get overwhelmed because we have a list of things that we need to get done and it gets longer and longer. And sometimes when we're busy doing a number of other things, uh, which are maybe sort of one offs that we don't normally do in our routine, then our routines go out of the window. So, for example, email builds up because you just don't have the time to deal with it like you would on a normal day. Uh, so I often end up in a situation where my email's gone a bit mad, my to-do list is looking ridiculous. So what I do is I look at my to-do list and I just think about what the next sort of key time is. So it might be that I'm looking on an afternoon and I think, you know, what do I have to get done? Absolutely have to get done by tomorrow morning and everything else can just go to one side. Or it might be in the morning, what have I got to do today? Uh, and again, everything else goes to one side. So I'm recording this on Sunday. I would have put this out normally on Friday. Uh, I've had a, a big event on Friday in London. We went to France yesterday to visit some friends. We've got, or I've got a netball match this morning, and then we've got two concerts this afternoon and evening. So really hectic few days. So I thought, right, I'll just quickly get this done. What else have I got to do before tomorrow that absolutely must get done? I need to do a newsletter for Engage Success, which talks about the event that I did on Friday because those go out first thing on a Monday. I needed to get this done because I want to get this out obviously today, Sunday, and I need to just uh, have a quick look through my emails, make sure I've not got anything that I need to know about before Monday. And I need to cook some lunch for tomorrow because I'm going to see a friend and I offer to take lunch. So I need to get that done. Other than that, I don't need to do anything else, even though there's a ton of stuff on my 
uh, list I've gone through I know that there's nothing else that's that urgent that needs to be done before tomorrow so I'm going to do the things I need to get done and then just ignore the rest and then tomorrow I'll do the same and it may be that I can resolve it all tomorrow sometimes you do that and you look and you you knock off a few things off your to-do list and you realize actually although it looked really long they were things that were quite quick to do and once they're out of the way it's looking you know so much better but if that isn't the case tomorrow I'll do the same thing what do I absolutely have to get done tomorrow and what can go by the wayside and probably by middle of the week I'll be back on track again and so it's about then thinking you know I've got, I've got it I'm on it I know what needs to be done and what doesn't have to be done at the moment and therefore I'm not going to worry about all those other things that I know are sitting there to be done but aren't urgent for today or tomorrow hopefully that helps you to think about how you can uh, be a bit calmer <laughs> and less prone to burnout during this festive season if you're interested in watching the whole webinar about how to recognize and heal from business burnout then if you're listening to this uh, in the next few days then you should still be able to get access to that by going to powertolivemore.com forward slash webinar if when you get there you find that it's an advert for a future webinar or a different one then obviously you're listening to this further down the line basically i do a monthly webinar and it's live so that you can access it for about 10 days following the live webinar and then i take it into the membership site and get ready for the next one so if it's something you particularly are interested in watching you might want to find out more about the membership site so you can see it there if it's not still available so it's powertolivemore.com forward slash webinar if you want to find out more about the membership site, it's powertolivemore.com forward slash get calm. And don't forget the show notes are available at powertolivemore.com forward slash 135. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.